maybe budget kosong. So funny, like the first lecture, um, the prof showed like a sort of comedy, comedic song video where like these two people, they aren't French, but they're singing French words they know. So it's full of baguette and croissant. And I keep on remembering how like we kept on saying that in MI because like those are the only French words we know. Shit. Your professor was exposing people for like... <laughs> oh no! Hello and welcome to Hidden Among Us. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Honda. And welcome to episode 57. Woohoo. Mm. Not sure if it's... Oh, what was the sound? I don't know. <laughs> Stop! Okay. Well, we're in the first week of September. So, Honda, how do you feel about that? Where did August go? I feel like August went by very quickly. No? I didn't even feel it passing. Just scary. I feel like... Sorry, I'm eating these. What are these called? Apple cider vinegar gummies. Yum. Mm. These taste good. I'll get into this later, but... I feel like August went by super quick. It's like, it five of school tomorrow. Shit. But August felt like... How did I describe it? It felt like a blink. And all of a sudden, it's September. Mm-hmm. And people are already making memes about how, what, 2019 was three years ago. And now we are on our way to 2022. So, I don't know. The year's moving by quickly and I don't feel prepared for the year to end. I'm going to be graduating soon. I'm going to be graduating soon. Yeah. Also, regarding these gummies, do you know the... I don't know if you've seen, but Instagram always pushes this brand called... Golly, G-O-L-I. They're like this gummy vitamin brand. So my dad actually bought vitamins from that company and um, it's too sour for me. Like he gave me one and I was literally dying. It was too Chris, sour. Anything is too sour for you. Yeah, but this one was really very sour. I think it was... You can't terrible. even handle fruits. Okay, that's true. But I think the flavor he gave me was cherry. I don't know. It was it was too sour, and I was like, okay, never mind. So he found this other brand, and this one is actually nice. Like it's sweet. It's not. It doesn't have the souriness like the cherry flavor, and you. I feel like you can't te- You can't taste the the apple cider vinegar. So yeah, well, I remember like on the bunch of influencers were like. Promoting the same gummy. It was the bear one. The blue one. Sugar bear hair. Yeah. my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Every single influencer was saying that it was what? The best hair vitamin 
they have ever <laughs> used. And I was like, sure. I mean, I don't know what like, what gummies could do for your hair. Um, yeah, but everyone was doing it. Apple cider vinegar also, I feel like there was a time where every single influencer was talking about apple cider vinegar's benefits for like the skin, like acne mm-hmm. pro skin, acne prone skin. And then now it has changed from external application to hey, you should drink apple cider vinegar every morning. Like you mix it with water and drink it. I mean, I don't know much about these, but I'm eating ACV gummies. I can't tell you that there's been a difference in my life, but at least it tastes good. I don't know. I mean, you can find apple cider vinegar in like supermarkets. It's like comes you know, in a, quite a big bottle. That's what I was thinking. Like people make these gummies and they're super expensive. <laughs> but I didn't see the prices. I, I'm not sure about the prices, but I've seen it. In supermarkets ACV is not expensive it's really not at least I don't think it is I don't think it's super expensive I know mm-hmm. it's a thing to take a shot of ACV every morning apparently it's got all these benefits for mm-hmm. the body but um, I don't think I can take the taste of it so <laughs> I'm just gonna stick with these gummies so we're just gonna jump into today's stories Honda, today's story is kind of interesting and... You say that all the time. I know, but we've also never covered a story like this. Okay. Okay. So this is the story of Nanny Doss. Nanny what? Nanny Doss. D-O-S-S. Okay. AKA the giggling granny, the lonely hearts killer, the black <laughs> widow, and Lady Bluebeard. So she's got a lot of names. <laughs> Primarily, she's known as the giggling granny. They all like sound like different, like criminals. I don't know. I know. Also, there is that that there's already. I mean, not this really, but there is a very famous killer called the Lonely Hearts Killer. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, okay. Um, I don't know the timeline. Maybe this lady did the stuff before they did. I don't know. I haven't looked into the Lonely Hearts Killer yet. But yeah, so this is the story of Nanny Doss. Nanny Doss was born Nancy Hazel on November 4th, 1905 in Blue Mountain, Alabama. (laughs) Nanny was one of five children, so she had three other sisters and a brother. Unfortunately, her home life wasn't that great because Nanny and her mother, Louisa, hated her father, James F. Hazel. James was a controlling husband and father and would force the children to work on the family farm instead of going to school. And because of this, um, Nanny didn't have like a proper education and she just generally did poorly in school. Mm. Nanny's father also did not allow his daughters to wear makeup and nice clothes because he believed that it would prevent them from getting molested. Okay. Which I think is just 
Okay, I'm just going to chalk this up to it being 1905 and, um, you know, people have these old-fashioned thoughts back in the day. <laughs> Do you have anything to say to that? No, I mean, it's still a sentimental today. Yeah, and I think it's... It's so problematic because uh, you could be completely covered up and that's mm-hmm. not going to prevent you from getting molested. I mean, even infants get raped, so... So, yeah, and <laughs> what are you going to do? Blame the infant for wearing, like, I don't for know... For being suggestive. <laughs> yeah, for being suggestive, so... <laughs> dang. Uh, where else? Okay. Nanny's father also did not allow his daughters to wear... Wait. <laughs> I just said that. <laughs> Holy guacamole. All right, okay, next point. He also did not allow them to go to social events. So clearly, this was a very controlling man who wanted absolute control over the women in his household. I mean... Mm-hmm. Okay, to a degree, I can understand the... Don't wear makeup, don't wear nice clothes. You know, it's like prevent your daughters from getting molested. but. Not allowing them to go to social events. Mm. The one is the one doesn't really make sense to me. So, yeah. No, but the thing is, it still happens till today. When Annie was seven, she'd been on a train to southern Alabama to visit relatives when the train abruptly came to a stop. So when the train stopped suddenly, Nanny actually hit her head on the metal bar of the seat in front of her. And because of this incident, she would have severe headaches, blackouts, and suffer from depression. Do you remember what we discussed the last episode about Uh frontal lobe damage? Yes. Uh So, I mean, we can have a discussion about that later, but essentially, essentially, she sort of blamed all of this and what she does on this um, accident that happened in show seven. Mm, As a teenager, Nanny would read her mother's romance magazines, particularly the Lonely Hearts column, where she dreamed of her own romantic future. So in 1921, when Nanny was just 16 years old, she met and married Charlie Braggs. Braggs had been her co-worker at a linen factory that she'd been working at, and the both of them had known each other for only four months before tying the knot. I don't know. Love works in mysterious ways, I guess. The couple had five children together, but their eight-year-long marriage wasn't without issues. So Braggs would describe Nanny as a as being high-tempered and mean. And when Nanny got upset, um, Braggs actually said that he was afraid to eat anything that she made. So he sort of <laughs> insinuated that she could have possibly poisoned him. And honestly, to this man, like heads off to this man because he had great intuition. Braggs' mother actually lived with the both of them. And because of this, um, he paid a lot of attention to his mother instead of his wife. Okay. Um, 
And because of this, I guess, Nanny became really, really stressed and she turned to drinking and smoking and apparently the both of them suspected each other of infidelity. So in 1927, two of their daughters passed away due to food poisoning. After the incident, Brex took their first daughter, Melvina, and left Nanny with their newborn, Florine. After Brex's mother passed away, Nanny began to work at at a cotton mill, and eventually in 1928, Brex returned with Melvina to live with Nanny. However, in 1929, the couple divorced. Nanny didn't wait long after her divorce and placed an ad in the Lonely Hearts column. Mm. This is where she will meet man number two, Robert <laughs> F. Harrelson. Harrelson wrote her romantic letters while Nanny sent racy letters and photos back to him. Mm. Mm. Spicy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um. Well, you know what? As you said, spicy. I guess that worked out because the two of them got married soon after. Um, Unfortunately, Harrelson would turn out to be an abusive alcoholic. But surprisingly, this marriage lasted 16 years. Hmm. In 1943, Nanny's oldest daughter, Melvina, gave birth to her first son. So the baby's name was Robert Lee Haynes. Exhausted from labor, Melvina claimed that she saw Nanny stick a hairpin into the baby's head, therefore killing him. She would find out later that Nanny had found the baby dead after asking her sister and husband about him. Interestingly, both her sister and husband noticed that Nanny had been holding a pin in her hand. Yet, mm-hmm. despite this, um, doctors would, they would basically look at the baby and be like, yo, I have no explanation for this infant's death. Grieving the loss of their first child, Melvina eventually separated from her husband and began to date a soldier. Nanny disapproved of this new man and she would get into fights with Melvina about it. One night after a bad fight, Melvina left for her father's home. And when she left for her father's home, she actually left her second child, Robert, under Nanny's care. The child then mysteriously passed away while under the care of Nanny. Mm. Doctors ruled the baby's death due to asphyxiation. Two months later, Nanny collected $500 in life insurance on Robert. $500 $500 seems very little, but this is 1905. So I think if you use the inflation counter, it's like a lot, a lot. more today, I guess. In 1945, marking the end of World War II, Harrelson, so I feel like we haven't talked about Harrelson in a while. Harrelson is Nanny's abusive second husband. Uh, Harrelson went out partying and drinking. And unfortunately, that night, he sexually assaulted Nanny. Um, While tending to her rose garden the next day, Nanny found Harrelson's corn whiskey buried in the ground. Why he buried whiskey in a rose garden is beyond me. I... 
But Nanny sees this um this whiskey and she takes a jar, she mixes red poison into it, and then she gives it to Harrelson and she's like, How about <laughs> you, you know, take a little good old sip of this? Less than a week later, on 15 September 1945, Harrelson was dead. Two years after Harrelson's death, Nanny would meet and marry Arlie J. Lanning in North Carolina. Once again, Nanny had used the Lonely Hearts column to find herself a man. In 1952, Nanny added her special ingredient, once again, aka red poison, to one of Lanning's meals and killed him. Lanning was also a heavy drinker, so doctors actually believed that he had passed away due to heart failure brought on by his alcoholism. And at this point, I feel like Nanny has been so lucky. She's killed mm-hmm. four people at this point. And because the doctors can't really, couldn't really give an explanation for the deaths or the or it just so coincidentally like her husband was an alcoholic like it was ruled out so easily so she got away with it four times in a row after his death the house they've been living in was given to learning sisters um she was able to okay so the house was given to learning sister but Nanny was able to take out insurance money from his death and she quickly banked the money in. The following year, Nanny would do the same to Lenning's mother. Um, She then left North Carolina and went to live with her sister, Davi. Davi was bedridden and shortly after Nanny's arrival, Davi mysteriously passed away as well. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. That same year, 1953, Nanny uses the Lonely Hearts column once again and meets Richard C. Morton, who she would go on to marry later on. Nanny believed that Morton was seeing other women, and so, as we know it, she added her special ingredient into his food and killed him. But this marriage only lasted four months before she offed him. After Morton's death, Nanny was able to collect five life insurances worth $1,400. Oh, wow. So for this, I used the inflation calculator and today it will be about $14,040. Which, to be honest, isn't a lot. Would you murder somebody for fourteen thousand dollars? If you're desperate. <laughs> I mean, but it's it's okay. Not to say that you should murder anyone for money, <laughs> but it's just. I feel like the great lengths you go to to murder someone for the life insurance, fourteen thousand is like it's not a good payoff for it. Don't you think? Yeah, it's way too little. If it was, for example you get like a million or a few millions from it. I can see why anyone would do it. But for just a measly $14,000, I don't think it's worth the effort. Yeah. That being said, don't go out killing people. The consequences too. 
yeah, it's it's not worth it. <laughs> so well, Nanny did what she had to do, I guess. In June of 1954, Nanny would meet her fifth and final husband, Samuel Doss. They met through Honda. Make a wild guess how they met. Lonely Hearts. <laughs> yeah, they read the Lonely Hearts column. So, Doss was a Nazarene minister who had lost his family to a tornado in Madison County, Arkansas. He... Interestingly, disapproved of romance novels and stories. And Nanny actually enjoyed these a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he would tell her that if she were to consume any media at all, it would have to be for educational purposes. What? Okay. I feel like it's so weird. Can you be can you imagine marrying some guy who's like, you need to constantly educate yourself if you want to watch TV, it has to be Discovery Channel. If you want to browse the web, it has to be the news. Like, yikes. Since you're judging your book choices. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Like, he looks at your Goodreads <laughs> and he's like, um, you have terrible taste. And you look at his and it's like books about fascism or something. He strikes me as that kind of guy. Okay, never mind. Moving on. Um, after their marriage, um, Doss would mysteriously become ill. Like, he would constantly have stomach ailments. So finally, in October, he was like, you know what? I'm tired of my stomach issues. I'm going to the hospital. So he ends up getting hospitalized due to severe stomach pains. And the reason why was because Nanny had actually baked a prune cake with her special ingredient. I don't wonder though, not that I would ever try it, but does red poison have a taste or a smell? I would assume it does though. I don't think so, because reds are pretty smart. So if it smells suspicious, I don't think they'll eat it. But I feel like it... Interesting. I mean, if I'm not wrong, it's odorless and tasteless. I don't know. Or is there another poison? But I don't know, because rats can be very smart. Mm-hmm. So if it's a particular smell, I think they'll grow used to it and avoid it. Okay. Well, I just always just assumed that rat poison would at least have like a an odor at least humans can pick up. Are you Googling it? <laughs> Yeah, this com- organic compound used in rodenticide. The, the compound name is so freaking long. <laughs> I don't even want to try to like <laughs> say that. But it says it's odorless, tasteless, white mm, powder. That's how she got away with it. Yeah, I think you can get odorless and tasteless ones. Mm. Yeah. Because rats are really, really smart. Yeah, they are. Um, And I will stand by this and say that, you know, rats are like the small, tiny critters that are just like dogs. Because you can teach rats tricks. They can identify you. They learn their names. Just so smart. 
Yeah, but yeah, it's quite sad that their lifespan is so short. Yeah, As in, like, the pet rats. The sewer rats, I don't give Yeah, sewer rats, I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, the ones in Singapore can be so huge. Yeah, they can I've seen be. the ones in Chinatown, and I don't know what they're eating, but they're freaking huge. <laughs> I'm So, we refer to domestic rats. Mm. Like, I'm referring to domestic rats as being, like, excellent pets. It's just that they have a very short lifespan. It's quite sad. Like, two years. It is. It is really, really sad. Um, yes. It's like, it's like hamsters, you know? But I think the difference between hamsters and rats is rats really, like, they really do show their intelligence. Like, the rats can tell when their owners come home and they bond very closely with their owners. So, yes. Where was I in this story before we talked about rats? <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, so she, she baked a prune cake with rat poison for Doss. After this, uh, Samuel Doss would spend a month recuperating in hospital. <laughs> so eventually he got well and was eventually discharged. However, the next day, Nanny was like, yo, this man can't be back in my life. So she fixed him a cup of coffee. And it's interesting because depending on which reports, right, um, it was either she served him stewed prunes or a cup of coffee, but in both versions, essentially, she laces it with her signature ingredient and, like, feeds it to him. Mm. And once again, interestingly, Samuel Doss and um, Nanny Doss, Samuel and Nanny, were only married for four months at the time of this murder. This time, though, uh, Doss's doctor was suspicious. So he was like, hmm. Something isn't right here Because Unlike her previous husbands Where the doctors Looked at the bodies And they were like Okay It's probably alcoholism Or some medical issues Doss had actually Been discharged From the hospital After recovering From something So For him to Die The next day After being discharged From hospital Is Highly suspicious Mm-hmm. I mean, the possibility of, I guess, passing away after recuperating is very, very low. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he was actually, you know, well enough to leave the hospital. So at this time, unfortunately, murder investigations weren't as <laughs> thorough as they were, as they are nowadays. So most of the investigations most of the investigators were like lawyers or morticians and they had like little training in death scene investigations. Mm. Yeah. So furthermore, in Oklahoma, for investigators to perform an autopsy, they would have to get the permission of the victim's family first. Mm-hmm. Shockingly though, uh, Samuel Doss's doctor was able to convince Nanny to let him perform an autopsy on the body. So he essentially told Nanny that doing this autopsy will help to save other people's lives. Like it will reveal some information that could be used to save other people. And Mm. Nanny was like, oh yeah, sure, I guess to save lives, we need to save lives. Go ahead with the autopsy. And she actually (laughs) says, of course there should be, it might kill someone else. Referring to an autopsy. 
she wasn't really thinking through I don't know I think maybe she assumed that uh the doctors were going to do the autopsy and they were going to be like yeah this is like a stomach bug or something mm-hmm. you know but that's not how autopsies work so um True. during the autopsy the medical examiner actually found large amounts of arsenic in Samuel Doss's body and this is where they were like okay foul play here and nanny was arrested after Nanny would then confess to killing her four other husbands, her mother, her sister, her grandchildren, and her mother-in-law. Some of Nanny's previous victims' bodies were exhumed, and just like Samuel Dawes, large amounts of arsenic and red poison were found in their bodies. At one point, Nanny was even caught in a lie. So when investigators asked her, hey, do you know who Richard Morton is? Nanny was like, I don't know who that man is. <laughs> what was the Kiki Palmer um, meme? Sorry to that man if I saw him on the street. Like, I don't know. She wouldn't recognize him. I can't remember. I butchered the meme. But essentially, she was like, sorry to this man. I don't know who he is. But um, they were like, okay, but you were married to him. So she was, So when she was caught, she said, well, I guess I wasn't telling the truth. I was married to him. And she said this while giggling. Totally not suspicious. Totally not suspicious at all. She would go on to confess about her murders, but she was adamant that she only killed those who deserved to be killed. She also said that her relatives weren't murdered due to poisoning. So, ma'am, how did you kill them? I mean, the baby, we could definitely say that she killed the baby with a pin. But, like, okay. Um, But the autopsies on her mother and sister would reveal arsenic in their bodies as well. Nanny would also giggle while recounting the murders of her husband, earning the name The Giggling Granny. She even said, (laughs) he sure did love those stewed prunes about one of her husband's. Oh my god, okay. She also blamed her murders on the brain injury she sustained when she was seven. And to be honest, I feel like maybe there is a possibility that, you know, the brain injury did cause this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I feel like there's also a high level of decision-making going on here, though. The the premeditation is pretty clear, like, to put red poison in food takes a level of, like, planning to do. Yeah, I guess it's kind of hard to distinguish. Like, you can argue she had a brain injury, but... Also, you don't know to what extent. Yes, essentially. Um, also, interestingly, she said that her motive was not insurance money. I guess there was a benefit. <laughs> yeah, but I find it weird because even though she said that it wasn't insurance money, right? Um, she did claim insurance money after the death of her family members and her husband's. 
So, mm. but she did say that she did it because she was looking for the perfect mate. Mate. <laughs> yeah, like she was looking for like, you know, the perfect man, her, her soulmate, I guess. Uh, Which is... Oh, okay, so I guess she would keep killing her husband, but that doesn't explain why she killed her grandchildren, her mother, her mother-in-law, and her sister. <laughs> so, um, eventually on May 17th, 1955, she was sentenced to life imprisonment. She was not applicable for the death penalty because she was a woman. And also interestingly, she was only charged for Samuel Doss's death. She passed away mm. due to leukemia at the Oklahoma State Penitentiary in 1965. And also, quite interestingly, at the time of her fifth husband's death, she was in contact with a possible sixth husband, John H. Keel. And John Keel was a 60-year-old milkman. <laughs> and he really dodged a bullet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, also, I also came across this, which I found really interesting. So, I... Um, there is a recipe for her apple and prune pie. That is so morbid. Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, this is the recipe she used to kill her victims with. And the recipe mm-hmm. was essentially compiled through various sauces and, like, from one of her family members who, like, shared a bit. So I'm going to read it out, okay? Nanny's apple and prune pie. Approximate time to make 45 minutes. To be baked in an oven at 350 degrees Celsius. So, ingredients. One cup water, one cup flour, half cup butter, three eggs, a pinch of sugar, four apples sliced, one cup of dried prunes, dash of granulated sugar, and five tablespoons of rat poison. <laughs> Bring to boil water, butter, sugar, add boil, stir in flour. Over low heat, continue to stir until able to form a doughy ball. Into the dough mixture, mix egg mixture, essentially well-beaten eggs, until ball is smooth. Then grease a 9-inch pie tin. Roll out pastry, lining bottom and sides of pan with pastry dough, clipping excess for pie top. Add apple slices and prunes in hearty layers. It is best to soak prunes overnight in red poison. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Generic hardware store variety will do quite well. <laughs> After spreading pears and prunes into shell, pour the lethal juice of marinated prunes over apple and prune contents. Juice adds extra flavor and conceals the taste of red poisoned. If sting of arsenic tartness remains, oh add extra tablespoon of sugar for good measure. But well, how would you know if a sting is there? Are you gonna taste I don't test know. it? 
<laughs> I don't know. Bruh. Cover pie, we left the dough in preheated oven for 45 minutes, checking occasionally. Top with granulated sugar, while top crust is fresh from oven. Guaranteed to be a, a real man-pleasing treat. And this is the story of the giggling granny, Nanny Doss. I've always wanted to bake. Oh, you always wanted to bake? I mean, honestly, minus the red poison, I think it will be a pretty bomb pie. Like, I love apple pie, so. Yeah, I, haven't, I don't really eat pies, so I'm like, okay. Mm, apple pie is great. And uh, like you know, you watch those stereotypical like Western shows or cartoons. Oh my god, yeah. Like, blueberry pies or something like that. <sighs> I've always wanted to try those because I'm like curious. <laughs> I like to see those pies with like the shapes and the crust. Oh, like you can yeah. make really creative ones. You have a horror story. This one will be quite interesting. Quite interesting. Okay. I don't know. I feel like anything can scare you. So. True. That's true. Though yeah. this week, I don't think anything can scare me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my, my feelings of being frightened, terrified, everything has just been used up already. So, Look at your window. It doesn't... I'm just... As I said, I think I've met my quota for being frightened this week already. So let's see, let's see. Okay, so today I'll be talking about a well-known figure from Japanese folklore. Mm. I think it's been a while for me to talk about like horror stories from Japan. Yeah, and Japan has very interesting ones. There's so much legends and folklore. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so this figure is known as Miminashi Hoichi, which means Hoichi the Earless. Holy what? Hoichi the Earless. Hoichi is his name, so. Ooh. Hoichi the Earless. Earless, okay. Yeah, so more than 700 years ago at, this is context behind the story. Mm-hmm. So more than 700 years ago at Danora, in the Straits of Shimonoseki, the last battle of the long contest between the Taira clan. There was a, like a long contest between the Taira clan and the Minamoto clan. So in after the fierce battle, hundreds of samurai warriors lost their lives and their bodies slipped between the waves to the bottom of the sea. Ooh. So the Taira, yeah, the Taira clan lost. So the warriors, you know, all died. Yeah, at the end of the day, the Minamoto clan was victorious and the Heike clan, the Taira clan, lost. And the six-year-old emperor was drowned by his grandmother to prevent his capture. Mm. So that sea and shore in that area have been haunted for 700 years. Oh, sure. And because of this big, great big battle, there were, it gave rise to many legends. Like, of course. <laughs> Like, okay, so there are multiple stories, like mythical stories from this one battle that happened. Yeah. Whoa, okay. So one of the most interesting ones is uh, a legend about a crab. 
or actually crabs in general. So this crab, this species of crab have a very distinctive like shell pattern mm-hmm. that vaguely resembles an angry face of a samurai. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not kidding, okay? What? Wait. Shut up. Does it not look like an angry face? It does. That's just kind of creepy. <laughs> Shut up. Oh my god, it looks like an angry face. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah, so the story goes that when the Hiki, like the clan warriors died and sang, their souls were transferred to the crabs and their angry faces were forever etched onto the crab's back. So the crab is called Heike Gani or the Heike crab. Okay. Or sometimes known as the Samurai crab. <laughs> like, I'm just thinking about how. You know, you know, people, I mean, those who believe in reincarnation, like, <laughs> can you imagine dying and you want to get reincarnated into, I guess, another person or like into, you know, a majestic animal or whatever, and you get reincarnated into a crab with an angry face on it. Oh my gosh. Sorry to that entire clan that passed away. They all came back as crabs. They're kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, the crab's kind of cute. Do people eat it though, or is it like? It looks kind of tiny, but I mean, you can also deep fry those kind of tiny crabs and still eat it. Oh, right? okay. I think they're not as common anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, other than strange crabs, there's also other things that are seen and heard along that coast. So on dark nights, there'll be thousands of ghostly fires hovering above the beach or above the waves. So mm-hmm. yeah, these are called like onibi demon fires. Mm-hmm. So they'll be like, you'll see floating fireball, like a small flat fireball. Oh, okay. I can sort of imagine what mm. it could look like. Yeah. And whenever there are strong winds, it sounds like shouting, like people shouting. Mm. (laughs) yeah so for you know these hundreds of years the fallen clan were like really restless and you know they would even rise when ships are passing at night and try to sink them and when there are people who go overboard they will try to pull them down (gasps) shit okay Mm. yeah so in order to appease the dead um a Buddhist temple, Amidaji, was built at Akamagaseki. And mm-hmm. a cemetery uh, was made close by near the beach where it set up monuments inscribed with the names of the John Emperor and the other warriors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Buddhist services were also regularly performed there so that the spirits, you know, will be calmed down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so after the temple and the cemetery, um, the clan gave less trouble than before. Mm. But once in a while, they still, you know, make appearances. <laughs> yeah, so it's in this place, uh, Akumagaseki, there lived a blind name, a blind man named Hoichi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's a type of performer known as Biwa Hoshi, and these performers will recite vocal literature uh, accompanied with an instrument known as the Biwa. So it's like a Imagine a guitar, but Chinese-looking, <laughs> Asian-looking guitar. I'm just thinking that this is probably like 
the Japanese version of spoken word poetry. <laughs> mm. Yeah, basically. Okay, but okay, so he was blind, right? Mm-hmm. But the name you said, you say he was earless. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. <gasps> okay. Remember the, remember the earless part. Okay, I'm scared. Okay. At this point, he still has ears. <laughs> I know, but like, <laughs> when you say things like this, my imagination goes wild and I'm wondering how he gets earless. And all I can think about is... um like a Van Gogh sort of situation where like oh either he or someone cuts off his ears and uh, I don't know that's mm. that's why but that's that's my um guess for now okay so Hoichi was popular for reciting the tale of the Heike which is that you know the struggle mm-hmm. thing that I was talking about and his performance was so wonderful that it was said that even the goblins could not refrain from tears <laughs> okay yeah, but you know, even if he was popular, he was poor mm. and lived in a Buddhist temple. Yeah, so one summer night when Hoichi was alone in the temple, because the priest was, was out to perform rites for funeral, mm-hmm. um, it was a hot summer night and Hoichi um, was cooling himself off uh, the veranda that was near his room. Mm-hmm. And the veranda overlooked a small garden in the rear of the Amidaji, which is the cemetery. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, he was bored, so he was practicing his biwa, mm-hmm. the instrument. And then when, uh, even when midnight passed, the priest still did not appear. But, you know, he still remained outside because it was still warm. In, it was warm inside the, the temple. And then he heard fo- uh, footsteps approaching him from the back gate. Uh oh. Yeah, and the footsteps crossed the garden and advanced to the veranda. And then it halted directly in front of him. But it was not the priest. Uh oh, no, no, no. <laughs> a deep voice, a deep voice shouted Hoichi's name, and this shocked Hoichi. This man said that his lord had wanted Hoichi to play for him as he had heard of Hoichi's skills in playing the biwa and reciting the Battle of Danora. So Hoichi followed this man to a large gateway where the man shouted for the doors to be opened. As Hoichi was let in, he could hear that he was surrounded by many people. Because he can hear like, you know, all the conversations and murmurings mm-hmm, going on. Mm-hmm. So he could tell that he was surrounded by a lot of people. So he was led somewhere in a room for him to perform. And when he sat down and started to perform, he could hear people singing their praises for him as they marveled at how good he was. However, he reached the point of the story where the Heike clan met its end. And then there were cries of anguish among the audience. Oh. You wonder who is this audience? I wonder who. (laughs) So... His performance had come to an end and he was told to come back at the same time for the next six nights and that he would be rewarded at the end by the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was also told that he was not supposed to talk to anyone about his visit and his experience. Of course, okay. <laughs> so the man who led him there then brought him back to the temple. And then for the following night, the man came again for him and Hoichi gave another 
the same recitation of the same story. Um, yeah, but during his second visit, his absence from the temple was accidentally discovered. Oh. Yeah, so when he returned to the temple in the morning, you know, the the priest was concerned that Hoichi was wandering alone in the late hours of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the priest offered for a servant to accompany him, but Hoichi quickly dismissed the idea mm-hmm. and said he had to attend to private business. Mm. Yeah, but the priest was still suspicious about what was going on and, sus- and suspected that something was wrong. Yeah, and he feared that the that Hoichi had been bewitched or deluded by some evil spirits. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. understandable, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, so he did not ask any more questions, but he privately instructed his servants of the temple to keep watch of his movements and to follow him in case that he leaves the temple in the middle of the night again. So the next night when uh, Hoichi left the temple, the servants immediately followed after him. But it was a rainy night and and like before the servants could catch up to him, Hoichi had disappeared. Mm-hmm. So they were quite confused that he was able to navigate himself so fast because you know of the bad condition of the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the man hurried through the streets making inquiries at every house which Hoichi was accustomed to visit but nobody gave like any clues as to where he was and so the servants gave up and they were returning to the temple and as they were walking towards the temple they heard the sound of the biwa instrument coming from the cemetery of the Amidaji oh no the men quickly went to the cemetery and then it was really dark. So they were even more puzzled by the instrument sounds were coming mm-hmm. from there. But since they were car- carrying their lanterns, they quickly discovered Hoichi sitting alone in the rain before the mem- memorial tomb of Antokteno, which is the six-year-old emperor that was drowned. And he was loudly chanting the chant of the Battle of the Danora. And behind him, above the tombs, the fires of the dead were burning mm. like candles. Oh gosh, okay. What is it? <laughs> so the servants were shouting his name, mm-hmm. but Hoichi seemed to not be able to hear his name being called. So they went right up to him and shouted in his ear, and Hoichi then replied, to interrupt me in such a manner before this assembly will not be tolerated. Oh, okay. Well, he's a man of his art, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, the servants, they just pulled him up to his feet anyways and brought him back to the temple. So, and the servants explained the situation to the priest. So the priest realized that Hoichi had been bewitched by ghosts and the priest vowed to save his friend from the spirits. He then painted Hoichi's body with the characters of the Heart Sutra for protection. Mm -hmm. So they covered his chest, back, face, arms and legs and even the soles of his feet. And the priest instructed him to remain silent and motionless when the spirit comes again. And then evening came. 
Hoji was sitting at the veranda and he was in a meditation pose. Mm-hmm. He, was, he sat still for hours and did not make a single sound. And then he heard the footsteps coming towards him again. And the sound stopped directly in front of him. The figure called for Hoichi, but Hoichi sat still and kept quiet. And the voice continued calling, but he, he still kept silent. So now the figure was walking up and down the veranda, and then it stopped right beside Hoichi. Mm-hmm. And then silence. And the voice said, here's the biwa. But of the biwa player, I see only two ears. Koda explains why he did not answer. He had no mouth to answer with. There's nothing left of him but his ears. Now I'll take in proof that the commands have been obeyed so far as was possible. Hoichi then felt something or someone grip his ears. Shut up. Okay, is this... <laughs> My heart is racing. I'm scared. I'm scared. Okay. He felt a strong iron grip on his ears. Oh no, please don't tell me they rip his ears off like that. I can't take this. And in a moment, his ears were torn off. Uh, uh. <laughs> I hate it because as you say this, right, in my head, I can imagine it and I don't want this <laughs> image in my brain. Okay. But Hoichi still somehow remained silent. The figure then walked away. So after the spirit had left, Hoichi was still too frightened to react despite the blood gushing from the wounds on his head. And when the priest returned, he realized in dismay that he had neglected to write the sutra on Hoichi's ears. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he even covered the soles of his feet, but he forgot the ears. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I feel bad. It's just so funny. Okay. So, you know, he didn't write on his ears, which left them vulnerable to the spirit. <laughs> and despite his injury, Hoichi's ordeal had freed him from the spirit's power. And he went on to recover from his wounds and became a famous musician. The end. <laughs> so he can still hear, he just doesn't have his ears. I mean, it's not like they ripped out his ear jumps, it's just a shell of. Okay, ear. yeah, okay, so they just. Okay. Yoink. <laughs> okay. Why would you say yoink? Oh god. It was it's not it wasn't that cute. <laughs> you know, fun fact, I actually did went to the shrine when I was in Japan before. Uh-huh. And I already knew of this story. So I was like geeking out. I was just like, oh my god, this is the shrine of the <laughs> like Mininach Hoichi. And I was like so happy. And they even they actually do erect the shrine like with a statue of him. Mm. But this isn't the, the this isn't the true story, right? It's a legend and I mean you see oh, his head, he looks like an egg. Yeah, so it's like that in the shrine. Yeah, so I was able to see this. Dang. Like pretty cool that I was like able to see like because like I was and like back then, I was like really into these. But kind didn't of he technically keep his word though? 
Yeah, but he was supposed to perform for six nights and he didn't complete that. So the spirit came back for him to like fetch him and But it wasn't his fault. Justice for Hoichi. I mean, the spirit was commanded by his lord to like fetch Hoichi and fetch Hoichi he did the ears. That's the only thing he could see of Hoichi. So he fetched it back. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. So cool How did this become a comedic story? <laughs> no, I wish I could go back to this place. It's so cool. Oh my gosh. I mean, next I want to see the Taira Masakado. Remember? Oh my place? god. It's the cursed episode. I am so sure he's after me. It's been one year, but it's I... It's in Tokyo. Chris, let's go Tokyo. <laughs> I'll bring you there. Honestly, I do want to go to Japan. Like, I... <sighs> Dang. I hope traveling can, you know, be a worry-free thing soon. Oh my God, I can't wait to go like these famous spots. I've been to a famous tunnel. Mm-hmm. That was known for hauntings. Mm-hmm. And when and because I was in a car, my mm-hmm. mom's friend was driving. And when I passed through the tunnel, I was like, oh my god, is this the famous tunnel? And I literally felt the atmosphere get like how do you call that? Like the atmosphere changed when the car was passing through the tunnel. Like changed. It felt out. heavier. It felt heavier. Did it get cold or anything? No, it just felt heavier, like the atmosphere. Just like, oh, this is the tunnel. Because like people reportedly could see bodies falling on their cars when they're passing through. (laughs) No. Maybe I'll I'll talk about that tunnel next time if I find an interesting story. Oh, God. Bodies falling on cars. Yeah, because on top of the tunnel is like a cemetery. Wow. Interesting, right? Wow. Holy shit. I don't know how I would react if I was like driving through a tunnel and it looked like a body had just fallen on my car. Like Yeah, so when some people like get out of the tunnel, these some people say they could see handprints on their <gasps> window on the windshield. Wow. Wow. Would you walk through the tunnel? No, I would not. I'll walk around <laughs> the tunnel. I'll walk over the tunnel. Over. But never semi- into the tunnel. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Honda, for this story. Poor Hoichi. He lost his ears. Honestly, he should, like, sue the monk. Sue. A priest. Who, yeah, the priest, sorry. Who, like... I guess sanctified everything in his body except for his ears. I mean, I feel like there wouldn't be a problem if you continue playing for the spirits. Right? I don't know. Unless they would extort him even more than me. What if it's more like a spirited away situation where the longer you stay in the spirit world, True. You become tied to it, so you're never able to ever come back to, like, you know, 
the Human mortal life. plane, yeah. So that that could have possibly happened. Like if he maybe if he had played for the full six days, he may not <laughs> a have part been, of the spirit world. Yeah, not even just a part of the spirit world. Maybe like they would not have let him come back. Mm. Now I want to rewatch uh, Spirit Away. I love Spirit Away. Gee, I I wonder <laughs> I wonder why you say that, Honda. Not as if you have like one thousand different no face items in your room. Oh my god! <laughs> I love it so. Cute. Oh, and the chopsticks I use is has like a no face face on it. Oh gosh, no face was cute until the scene where he starts to eat everything. And like when his mouth opens. Yeah. Right? And that was when the illusion died for me, like... And then you could talk with the frog's voice. So, after that scene, I was like, no. Also, Spirited Away in general, I still remember the first time I watched it was in secondary school. Yeah, it gave me nightmares, so... <laughs> Have you watched it recently, though? I feel like when you watch it as an adult, you feel different. You feel differently. Like, there's a sense of nostalgia. I have with it. not watched it as an. Oh my god, we should Netflix party a Ghibli film next time. Oh yes, we should. Cause like I cried watching Spirit Away for no reason. <laughs> it's like a sense of nostalgia. I think I, I cried while watching when Mani was here. Oh, I didn't watch that. Yeah, and it wasn't even like a set story but I still cried I don't know I don't know I feel like Ghibli is good at triggering those emotions (laughs) yes the emotions that you never you thought you never had like I don't know yeah there there are a few films that I would never watch because I know it's just too much like for example what's it called Grave of the Fireflies I know the synopsis. Yeah, I know the synopsis, and that's why I would never watch it also. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I like the happier Ghibli films. Like, How's Moving Castle is one of my comfortabilities. I love that film. And not just because How is Good Looking. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I just enjoy that film. Uh... I like, I kind of liked Princess Mononoke. It's just that when I went into the film, I didn't think that it was, it wasn't targeted for children. Like this scene where like the prince really beheads a bunch of people and I was not ready for that. I was genuinely taken aback. And also the the deer spirit thing, the spirit of the forest thing. Yeah, that kind of scared me when I first watched it's it. So terrifying. Oh god, yes. When Ghibli films tend to give me nightmares. I mean, Hayao Miyazaki, like he doesn't, he doesn't believe that all like animation or cartoons are targeted for children. Yes, and that's why it's quite. It's. I feel like you have to be a certain age or mental age to actually appreciate themes of the movie. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like some of the films are, as a child, you can still enjoy them. Ponyo. I've not watched Ponyo, but I just thought it's super cute. I watched it and I forgot it. <laughs> oh, lol. I watched My Neighbor Totoro and I forgot about it. So I yeah, I forgot that too. But yeah. I haven't really watched it. It's one of the most hyped up Ghibli films and 
I was I I can't tell you what happened to that film. <laughs> I know there's a Totoro, there's a little girl. There's um, two little girls, a little girl a and cat a, bus. Yes, and <laughs> that's it. Um mm. yeah. Well, thank you, Honda, for the story. Um Yes, um, people who are, I guess, sanctifying bodies, please remember your ears. So funny. (laughs) (laughs) Don't leave out your ears. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and click that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at HGU Podcast. Share us a message or send us a story if you'd like. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Here's the stop button.